Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvot Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvotisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. So, what is this day known as Rosh Hashanah, or as American Jews say, Rosh Hashanah? Just looking at the biblical text doesn't give us much of a clue. The biggest description of this feast is only three verses in Leviticus 23, verses 23 through 25, and this is what it says. Adonai said to Moshe, tell the people of Israel, in the seventh month, the first of the month, which is today, right, is to be for you a day of complete rest for remembering a holy convocation announced with blasts on the shofar, that is, Yom Teruah. Do not do any kind of ordinary work and bring an offering made by fire to Adonai. It is described as Yom Teruah, as I said, which is a day of shouting. It has been interpreted as a day for the shofar, which is why we're going to have a shofar service after the sermon. And it is the beginning of the seventh month, Tishrei. So how did it, how did it come to be Rosh Hashanah, as we know it, right? The Jewish New Year. From whence do we get apples and honey, the season of judgment and repentance, and greeting people with a, what is the greeting? Shana Tova. May you have a sweet New Year, and may you be written in the book of life. Where do we get these traditions? Well, we need to look at perhaps some other scriptures and some other rabbinic tradition to, to fill in the gaps. An interesting mention of this day, which I think started us onto the path to Rosh Hashanah as we know it, is in Nehemiah chapter 8. For some context, in the books of Nehemiah and Ezra, there is some, not yet, Robert, you didn't see it, did you? Okay, spoiler alert, all right. So, um, <laughs> thanks, thanks, brother. All right, so for some context, this is what's happening in Nehemiah and Ezra. There's reformation taking place. Remember, we were exiled from the land of promise due to gross rebellion and idolatry and injustice to the poor. And now we're coming back into the land after exile. We're coming back to the Torah, God's ways and his laws, his justice, his mercy, his covenantal love. And there is a rebuilding effort going on for the city of Jerusalem and the protecting wall around it and for the holy temple. There is a reestablishing of the Levitical priesthood as we come back into the land according to the Torah. And Ezra is the central character here. And he acts as a reformer who returns with the people from, from the exile to teach the Torah and to lead a revival. So that's where we're at. Does that make sense? Yes? All right. So we'll pick up the narrative in Nehemiah. This is chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. There we go. 
All the people gathered with one accord in the open space in front of the water gate and asked Ezra, the Torah teacher, to bring the scroll of the Torah of Moshe, which Adonai had commanded Israel. Ezra, the Kohen, brought the Torah before the assembly, which consisted of men, women, and all children old enough to understand it. Do we have any children old enough to understand the Torah today? Raise your hand if you're a child old enough. Hey. <laughs> All right. So um, they, they were perhaps had had their bar mitzvah already or their bat mitzvah. It was the, when was it? It was the first day of the seventh month, which is today. Right. Facing the open space in front of the water gate, he read, that is Ezra read, from it to the men, the women, and the children who could understand from early morning until noon. And all the people listened attentively to the scroll of the Torah. So first we notice it was the first day of the seventh month. That is the first of Tishrei, which as we said is today. Notice also how Ezra is described here. First it's, uh, if we could pull it back up, it's Ezra the Torah teacher up top. And then it says Ezra the Kohen. Well, well, which is it? Is he a Torah teacher or is he a Kohen? And to that I would say, yes, right? It's both, okay? That is the teacher of Torah in the tradition of Moses, and he is also a priest in the tradition of Moses' brother, Aaron. The word, the first word um, for Torah teacher is sofer in Hebrew, which literally means a writer or a scribe of the Torah, which is what Moses did, right? And the second word, Kohen, it means priest, descended from Aaron, so the Kohanim were in charge of the temple offerings, and they were a subset of the Levites who assisted them. Of the Kohanim, the Kohen Hagadol, or the high priest, he is the one who would do the offering in the Holy of Holies once a year, 10 days from now on Yom Kippur. So Ezra has this important kind of dual identity. He's a priest, a Kohen, and a Torah teacher. Notice also that Ezra has gathered all of the people, and, and he's going to read the entire Torah from early morning until noon. So I figured that this year, I haven't run it by Meggie yet, but instead of going to the picnic, I thought we would just have everyone sit here, or perhaps stand, and we'll get the Torah back out, and we'll just read the whole thing, right, from Genesis to Deuteronomy. How does that sound to everyone? Yes? Okay. You're supposed to... <laughs> oh, wow, we have some patient people here, okay? You know what? I, I, I have a compromise. I have another idea. How about this? How about we read a little bit of it on each Shabbat, and so over the course of 57, 78 this year, we'll read through the entire Torah. Does that sound like a good compromise? All right. We're on the same page, okay? But I mention this uh, in the text to give you a sense of the importance of the Torah and the reverence and the patience that they must have had to stand in the open space and to hear, think about that, the entire Torah, right? In the beginning, all the way to Deuteronomy. And they read that on the first of Tishrei. So now that we've got that straightened out, uh, let's go back to the book of Nehemiah. It continues the narrative in chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. This is what it says. Ezra, the Torah teacher, stood on a wood platform, which they had made for the purpose. Beside him on his right stood Matitya, Shema, Anaya, Uriah, 
Hilkiah and Maaseiah, while on his left were, uh, you have to forgive me for this, all right, uh, Pediah, Mishael, Mal- Malkiah, Hashum, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Meshulam. There we go. Ezra opened the scroll where all the people could see him because he was higher than all the people. And when he opened it, all the people rose to their feet, just as we did when we took out the Torah scroll. And Ezra blessed Adonai, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, as they lifted up their hands, bowed their heads, and fell prostrate before Adonai with their faces to the ground. The Leviim, who are the Leviim? The Levites, right? Yeshua, Bani, Sherevia, Yamin, Akuv, Shabtai, Hodiah, Maaseiah, Kalita, Azariah, Yozavad, Hanan, and Peliah explained the Torah to the people while the people remained in their places. They read clearly from the scroll in the Torah of God, translated it, and enabled them to understand the sense of what was being read. Now, there's a reason I read all of those Hebrew names. Do you think you can guess the reason? All right. Well, let's take a look look at, there's one name there, Yeshua, right? In the Hebrew text, he he is one of the Levites. And uh, let's take a look at that in Hebrew. The next slide. There it is. This is the name in the Hebrew text of this Levitical priest, Yeshua, In every other English translation, I'm reading from the complete Jewish Bible, every other one, it says his name is Jeshua, Jeshua with a J. So if you're reading a typical Bible, right, it translates the above text as Jeshua, and then the New Covenant, it talks about Jesus, right? You would never make the connection that this is the same name. It's the same name. But we, of course... We understand that this is a Jewish text, right? And the name Yeshua is the same name as our Messiah. Rabbi David Stern, uh, who translated the complete Jewish Bible, he comments there that there are various people named Yeshua uh, are referenced in this book, in the book of Nehemiah. And also in this chapter, Joshua, remember him? He's the son of Nun. And he was the successor of Moses. He is also called Yeshua in this chapter, in verse 17. Normally, he's called Yehoshua. That's how he's referred. But in this chapter, he's called Yeshua. Okay? So why? Why would Joshua be called Yeshua in this chapter? And why the mention of the the Levite, whose name is Yeshua? The name, and therefore the identity of Yeshua is linked to the priesthood and to the ministry of Joshua, who was a leader and reformer like Moses. The Tanakh seems to be drawing our attention to this name, this name, the name of Yeshua, and linking it to the dual identity of Ezra that we saw earlier, right? Remember, he was a Torah teacher and a priest. Now we see also that Ezra is reading from the Torah, right? And he, he, as he reads, he's also explaining it, perhaps because the people are removed from understanding the original Hebrew. And uh, so it's, the scripture says that he translated it, perhaps into Aramaic, 
But I believe that Ezra is also explaining it, right? It's, the scripture says that he is bringing an application, right, an understanding. So we can understand that Ezra is reading and giving a drash as he reads. He's drawing out the essential meaning of the text for this season in the life of the Israelites coming back from captivity and coming back from the exile. In other words, this is the origin of the sermon, right? This is Ezra. He's acting in the role of a rabbi, explaining the meaning of the text. So the role of a sofer or or a scribe, as fulfilled by, perhaps we can call him Rabbi Ezra, is not just to write the Torah, not just to read the Torah, but to teach the Torah. And then we come to the response of the people in Nehemiah 8, verses 9 through 12. This is how they respond. Nehemiah, the Tirshata, uh, or Nehemiah, Ezra, the Kohen, and Torah teacher, and the Leviim, that is the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, Today is consecrated to Adonai your God. Don't be mournful. Don't weep. For all the people had been weeping when they heard the words of the Torah. Then he said to them, Go, eat rich food, drink sweet drinks, and send portions to those who can't provide for themselves. For today is consecrated to our Lord, that is set apart. Don't be sad. Because the joy of Adonai is your strength. In this way, the Leviim quieted the people as they said, Be quiet, for today is holy. Don't be sad. Tell someone next to you, Don't be sad. All right. Then the people went off to eat, drink, send portions, and celebrate because they had understood the words that had been proclaimed to them. In other words, what's happening here? The people were convicted in their hearts. By the reading of the Torah, they knew that they had fallen short. And, and, and when they heard it, they were, they were sad. But Ezra, the rabbi, the Kohen, he, he told them, he encouraged them to feast and celebrate rather than to mourn. So to recap, this is an account of the celebration of the first of Tishrei, Yom Teruah, which eventually became Rosh Hashanah, which is what we have today. Ezra brings us closer to the rabbinic traditions that we see. First is the idea of renewal, newness, and revival. This is connected to the reading of the Torah, which brings repentance, and, or teshuvah, which is one of the main uh, themes of Rosh Hashanah. And this is perhaps a kind of New Year celebration for the Israelites of Ezra's time. And instead of mourning and weeping, they're encouraged to feast and celebrate, which connects with the origin of our celebrating and feasting and eating apples and honey, sweet things on this day, and greeting each other with words of encouragement. L'shana tova, may you have a sweet new year. Amen? So this is a good time for me to plug the picnic later today, right? Robius Landing Park, I hope to see all of you there. Right? It's going to be festive because we're keeping in line with this, the, the biblical tradition and the rabbinic tradition in that and celebrating Rosh Hashanah. So don't be sad. Come and eat sweet things with us. Amen? Now, returning to the text, we see the name of Yeshua written twice in the Hebrew text. One, as a Levite working in the temple and as Joshua who brought us into the land and reformed us back to the Torah. 
We also see Ezra, the Cohen and Torah reformer, interceding for the people in the newly newly uh, restored temple by offering sacrifices as a Kohen. Remember, he's a priest. But also pastorally teaching the Torah and giving its essential meaning as a rabbi. Is this not the role of the Messiah in Judaism? Isn't the Messiah supposed to do that? To bring us back to the Torah, to uh, intercede for us, and also to, to be the rabbi par excellence, to teach us the essential meaning of the Torah. This is who we're waiting for. The text is even indicating the name of the one who will do that, Yeshua. In my research for this sermon, I came across uh, a traditional Orthodox, Orthodox machsur, that is one of these, but in, in Orthodox Judaism, and it says something quite interesting. Now, Machsor, this is a prayer book. It's a special siddur for the high holidays, okay? So, Rabbi Yitzhak Shapira, he's the author of The Kosher Pig. It's kind of an interesting title. And he, is, he has researched this Machsor, the Orthodox one, and its origins. And uh, I just want to share with you a, a piece of a translation from one of the sections. This is not a Messianic siddur. This is an Orthodox siddur. And this is on page 282. Um, and it's a Rosh Hashanah prayer. And this is what it says. Maybe we can read it together. May it be your will that the sounding of the shofar, which we have done, will be embroidered in the veil by the appointed angel or messenger, as you accepted it by Elijah of blessed memory and by the prince of the face. Uh, the one who sits on God's throne, or Metatron. May you be filled with compassion toward us. Deserving of praise are you, Lord of compassion. Of blessed memory, may it be accepted by Yeshua, the prince of the face. The face. Remember we talked about that. God's face. Right? Here's a picture of the cover of the Machsur. Okay? See it in Hebrew, Machsor, which is the, the special Sador for the High Holy Days. And here is the page in question in the original Hebrew. It's a little difficult to see, but if I can try to find it here, do we see this name right here? The Yeshua. It's the same as I read, it's the same name as Joshua in the Nehemiah text, the same name as that Levite. And of course, the same name as the Messiah. The name of Yeshua, the prince of the Panim, which we learned in my last sermon is the face or the presence of God. Um, there, there's some commentary on this section uh, in the Machsor, again, by an Orthodox, non-Messianic rabbi. His name is Yehuda Liebs. And he admits this passage is about Yeshua of Nazareth. He says this, this is about Yeshua. And uh, if you notice that in the passage I said something about Metatron. This is a sort of complex idea in, in Jewish theology. But essentially it's used in, um, in, in theology, in Jewish theology, especially Kabbalah, to show uh, an intermediary figure. That is a divine figure who sits 
on the throne of God, who brings our prayers to the face of God and intercedes for us by carrying our prayers to God. Essentially, this is a picture of the Messiah. Does that make sense? So notice also the person of Elijah is mentioned, right? Which is believed to come with the Messiah in the biblical text and in our tradition. And here he is named in the Orthodox Siddur, Yeshua. In other words, central to the shofar feast, known as Rosh Hashanah, is the figure of the Messiah. He is central to this feast, and he is named Yeshua in both the biblical text and in the rabbinic texts. Yeshua, who writes our name in the book of life, who is the intermediary figure who represents us to God and represents God to us, who is higher than the angels and similar to Ezra in his ministry and calling. But as I like to say, in memory of that famous 90s band, he is better than Ezra. Yeshua, who taught the Torah and drew out its essential meaning because he is the Torah. He is the word through which God creates and restores the world, especially during this season, this season of Rosh Hashanah. Yeshua, the intermediary and rabbi of rabbis. Yeshua is the word. He is the Torah. And as the Besorah of John puts it in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, this is what it says. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things came to be through him, and without him, nothing made had any being. John, of course, is writing as a Jew, doing Jewish theology on the divinity of the Messiah, and he is speaking of Yeshua. So we could say that passage in this way. In the beginning was Yeshua, and Yeshua was with God, and Yeshua was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things came to be through Yeshua, and without Yeshua, nothing made had being. Amen? Many scholars, rabbinic and messianic alike, believe that the Messiah would be born on Rosh Hashanah. Spoiler alert, it probably was not December 25th, I'm very sorry to say. If Yeshua was indeed born on this day, on Rosh Hashanah, what a fulfillment of the real meaning of this feast in the biblical and the rabbinic tradition. All of the themes find their culmination in the Messiah, renewal, recreation, repentance, return to the Torah, and the identity, the name of Yeshua within all of it. This Yeshua intercedes for us forever as the high priest. And like Ezra, he teaches us the Torah and he reforms our hearts fully in the new covenant to actually do the Torah, to follow the commandments of the Torah, to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. L'shana tova tikatev v'tayechatim. May you have a sweet new year, and may you be written in the book of life through Yeshua the Messiah, the sofer, or writer of the book of life. 
the intermediary priest forever, and the eternal rabbi. Hallelujah.